0: a little all pin up. I'm a little bottled up. And so uh, I'll do my best to uh, to not overwhelm you. Uh, But I'm just excited to be able to share the word of God with you today. We've been talking now. This is the seventh week on being blessed, learning to live beneath the banner of God's blessing. Let me just say this to you today. It's the nature of God to want to bless you. God wants to bless you. Look at someone next to you and say, God wants to bless you. Well, let me just ask that. How many feel blessed? Amen. Amen. He wants to continue to bless you. In fact, when he created Adam and Eve and all the creation was created, what's the first thing he did with Adam and Eve? He, He blessed them. And when you have time, go back and read in Genesis chapter 1 where it says God blessed them. It's God's nature and His design and His plan for us to live beneath the banner of God's blessing. But what happened? Sin came into the picture. Adam and Eve and the rest of humanity were moved out from under the banner of God's blessing. And from that day until now, as we'll learn today even more so, God developed a plan to get us back under the banner of God's blessing for our life. One of our keynote verses that I don't really have time to go in and read again, I want you to read it if you can. Deuteronomy 28, it it just goes through all the blessings of God for those who hear the Word of God and begin to obey God's Word in their life. How many of you know He can't bless you unless unless you're walking in obedience to Him? And so when we begin to walk in obedience, in fact, that passage of Scripture says, the blessings will overtake you. And the blessings are profound, and they're multifaceted, and, and they're victorious, and they're overwhelming. And that's the nature of God. In fact, let me just say this. I've been saying it quite often. You can tweet thou this if you so desire. It is this. It's it's normal as a child of God to live beneath the banner of His blessing. It's our It's our inheritance as children of God. All the children of God say amen. Amen. And so that's the nature of God. It's normal. We've been living abnormally way too long. How many of you know if you live abnormal, you begin to think it's normal? And you look at somebody who, some people who have been living in abnormality all their life, you may look at them and go, man, what is their problem? That's their normal. But God has a new normal for us, and it is the blessing of God. It is the inheritance of God. So we've just been going through a lot of passages of Scripture. One of the ones that we're really focusing on right now is Ephesians chapter 1, the first 14 verses. But the keynote verse out of those is in verse 3, where it says this, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. Everyone say, has blessed us. Not will bless us, might bless us, or can bless us, or should bless us, but has blessed us. Everybody say, he has blessed me. Yes. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Every spiritual blessing. Say every spiritual blessing. So what the, what the, the thing we've got to get a hold of, we've got to reach out there and understand them and begin to embrace them. And from these first 14 verses, I discovered at least six blessings that you and I need to embrace, that if we'll if we'll embrace them in our life, they're key ingredients to get us back beneath the banner of God's blessing. The first one we talked about, about was the uh, blessing of adoption. How many of you know we've been adopted into the family of God? Oh, I wish I could go back and re-preach that. And then the blessing of grace, it's all in there. I don't have time to validate it for you. You read these verses, for by grace we are saved, Amen. It's his multifaceted grace, his unmerited favor in our life. And then a few weeks ago, the blessing of redemption. Everybody say, I've been redeemed. Thank God for the blood of Jesus, amen. And then today, in just a few moments, I'm going to talk to you about the blessing of revelation. And then next week, you've got to come back next week. And you've got to bring people with you. You've got to bring lost people with you. Next week, I'm going to talk about the blessing of heaven. You know what? I don't know if I've ever really preached in this church a real message dedicated for heaven. I talk about heaven, but uh, this may be uh, a, a, a milestone for me. When I realized that, I went, wow, shame on me. How many of you know heaven is a wonderful place? How many of you know planet Earth is the shortest amount, your life on planet Earth is the shortest amount of time you'll ever live anywhere? So we ought to be thinking about heaven, talking about heaven, because that's where we'll spend eternity if we've asked Christ into our heart. And then the last one in a couple of weeks, we're going to talk about the blessing of his spirit in verse 13 and 14 of this Ephesians chapter. So that's where we've been. That's where we're headed. But let's talk about where we're going right now. Let's talk about the blessing of revelation. I want you to look with me in verse 9 of chapter 1 in the, in, the, in the book of Ephesians. Paul the Apostle says, and he's speaking in reference to Christ, having made known to us the mystery of his will. Everyone say, having made known to me. In other words, he's revealed some things to me. There's revelation come, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to the good pleasure, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. In other words, God had a plan to reveal some things to us. And we live in the age of revelation. Now, there's a new phenomenon in, in American television today. And, and you know what it is? It's the ph- phenomenon of the makeover right? How many of you watch at least one makeover show? Did you know there's at least 40 or 50 of those different types of shows today? They're makeover shows. I'm kind of addicted to makeover shows. I, I would like to be made over one day. If you could get all this out of here and all that and tighten it, I'd love, hey, I believe if it's available, that, you know, whatever, hey, In fact, one of my longtime friends, a guy by the name of Darren and Jennifer Shaw, they were a part of one of the first original makeover shows called Trading Places. You remember that? In fact, a pastor friend of mine, you know, one of his neighbors, they had, and it was a makeover of a room. You would trade places, trading places, and you would make over your friend's room, and you'd hope they would still be your friend after you made over their room. But it, and, and it sparked and spawned all kinds of makeover shows. The house, uh, extreme makeover. They started just kind of tweaking the house, and then they just bulldozed the house. And, and man, I just, I just, I love those shows. And then they had, you know, the personal makeover, the neighborhood makeover, the yard makeover, uh, all the, the vehicle. How many of you could use a vehicle makeover? Whoo! All the makeover shows now. And they're wildly successful. And why are they so wildly successful? Here's what I believe. People are longing for something to change in their lives. Now, what's the secret of these shows? What makes them successful? They appeal to our desire for something to change in our lives. But every one of them has what I call the big reveal. Right? Right? When the makeover is complete, whatever it is, then there's the big reveal. And you and I go, oh, ooh, I can't believe it. And the most famous is from Extreme Home Makeover. And what does Ty Pennington say? He says, no, he didn't say it. He says, bus driver. <laughs> Ty Pennington, they're behind the bus. What does he say? He says, that bus would never move with that kind of a, it just would never move. the bus driver would be going to say what he would never move because y'all at the big reveal what would Ty Pennington say he would say Oh yeah!" And the bus would move, and, and the revelation would come and the family would go, "Oh." oh, oh, oh. And man, and you'd get to go you know, some, how many of you have ever cried at one of those shows? It just uh, I've actually cried with extreme home makeover. <laughs> I had to confess, it's the power of revelation. When things are revealed, changes have been made. And what we see here in this passage of Scripture is God's big reveal to humanity. He has revealed some things. In fact, I want to show you this uh, in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1 through 7. Paul's uh, talking about the big reveal. He says, For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for you Gentiles... If indeed you have heard of the dispensation or the stewardship of the grace of God, which was given to me for you, how that catch this? How that by revelation He made known to me the mystery, as I as I have briefly written already. Now He's talking about the. You see back over here, He talked about the mystery that was revealed. He said He said God gave me this revelation. By which, verse 4, when you read, you may understand my knowledge and the mystery of Christ. And here it is. Which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets. That the, Now, let me pause right here. to put it on pause. How many Gentiles are in the house? You, you a Gentile? Some of you. I don't know. I'm afraid to lift my hand. Is that bad or Good. How many people who are not Jews are in the house? Look at your neighbor and say, you a Gentile, brother. Some of you, I saw some, I, the reason I paused, I saw them go, maybe, I don't know. Is it a trick question? It's everybody that's not a Jew. Now, look at the revelation which in other other ages was not made known to the sons of men, but how has been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets, verse 6, that the Gentiles... Everybody say, that's me! That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs... Oh, stop, man. You act like this is just... Act like this is the big reveal. I know we have already know this, but you're behind the bus. And all of a sudden, Paul the Apostle comes up to you, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body, partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. (laughs) (laughs) I'm overwhelmed. You should be. Because it's the big reveal. It's the power and the blessing of revelation that, hey, it's not just for the Jews, but it's a whosoever kind of gospel. And he says, the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ. Everyone say, through the gospel. That's the secret here. It's through the gospel, the power of the gospel. It's called in verse 13 of chapter 1, look over there. In him you have also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Everyone say, the gospel of my salvation. Look what happened. He says, you heard the, the, you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. He's talking to the Gentiles. He's talking to whosoever will. And the good news is, I can be saved. Amen. It's the good news of our salvation. Now, the good news is this. Let me define it for you. Paul the Apostle defined it in 1 Corinthians 15. And you can look over there if you so desire. I'm going to flip over there quickly because all of us probably need to know uh, where this is. 1 Corinthians 15. He says, let me tell you about this gospel that I preach to you. Verse, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the what? Somebody say the gospel. How many of you know the word gospel means good news? It's good news. Here's the good news. Here's here's what has been revealed. Here's the big reveal. It's the power of the gospel. Remember what we read just a few moments ago. You became heirs and fellow heirs of the promise through the gospel. Through your faith in the gospel. What is the gospel? He said, I preach to you, which you received and in which you stand, by which you also are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you until you, be- unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you first of all, here it is, here's the gospel, for which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Christ, pay- hey, you know what? He took your place. I said he took your place. And that's the first key part of the power of the gospel. Christ died for our sins. He's the final sacrificial lamb for the sins of all humanity. That's good news. Because we're all, we're on our way to hell in a hurry. And then he says, and, and oh, he says, according to the scriptures. Let me pause, even though I don't have a lot of time here today. Let me just say this. You know what he was saying? Because the scriptures were still in the process of being written, the New Testament. He's talking about the Old Testament. How many of you know the Old Testament was a little confusing even to the people in the Old Testament until the New Testament began to be made manifest, until the big reveal? Everybody went, oh You mean all those lambs and all those animals and all that stuff we were doing under the law? It was all just a picture of the final sacrifice. And you know what you're going to learn in fast track? I said, you know what you're going to learn in fast track when you come in a couple of weeks? Everybody look at your neighbor and say, I'm coming to fast track. I'm coming to fast track. Listen, you know what you're going to learn from Genesis to Revelation? You're going to see Jesus in every book of the Bible and you're going to realize it's all been God's big plan. All along, this was his plan. And guess what? We live in the middle of the big reveal. Woo! Glory to God. Man, you've got to come to fast track. Your kid, Listen, you and your children all together in eight weeks, in an hour, eight hours of training, your whole family together will be brought through the Bible in such a simple way. And when you're going home, you can talk about what you learn with your kids. And you can understand the Bible in eight short weeks from Genesis to Revelation, in eight short weeks. Everybody needs that. Well, I don't well, if I want to get up early. Don't go down that road. Don't go down that road. My pastoral heart says, we got to do this. We're supposed to be disciples, not just church attenders. I said we're supposed to be disciples, not just church attenders so that's my little commercial for fast track and when you see it you'll see Jesus and we live in the middle of the big reveal Christ died for our sins that's the first part of the good news oh man what a revelation and it says and he was buried he paid our price he died on Calvary's cross he paid the price for us we all deserve to die the Bible says in Romans chapter 6 the wages of sin is what oh get but the free gift of God it's a gift is what Eternal life through who? Through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's good news. And Then number three, I love it again. He rose again. He said he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the what? Scriptures. According to God's plan. This my friend is the gospel. This is what gets you saved. This is what gets you to heaven. <clears throat> this is what gets you Into the image of Christ. This is what gets you back under the banner of God's blessing. It's the power of the gospel. And we live in the age of the big reveal. We need to understand the power of the gospel. Now, let me give you some good news about the good news. Let me define it for you. You see me, you say good news. Let me give you the good news about the good news. Look at your neighbor and say, here comes some good news. This is the good news, man. This is exciting. The good news is, about the good news, is that number one, salvation is no longer earned. You, you, you don't have to earn it. In fact, you can't earn it. Did you know that? You can't work your way into the good graces of God. And before, hey, before Jesus came, before the big reveal, oh, humanity was under the what? The, the law. But look in, look in Galatians chapter three, verse 22. But the scripture has confined all under sin. Gee, Thanks. We're all sinners. How many of you know, nobody had to teach you how to be ugly to your sister? It was your nature. Nobody had to teach you how to cuss, smoke, chew, or go with the girls that do. It's funny how we, <laughs> it's kind of funny. You know, I've got grandkids now. And I'm going to tell on. I'll, I'll tell them some of my family members, I won't call any names. When their grandkids start, the sin nature starts showing up, they go, where did they learn that? Who have they been hanging around? I said, it's their nature. They're natural born sinners just like you. They got it from you. And you got it from Adam and Eve. <laughs> Scripture has confined all understanding that the promise. By faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the what? The law. Kept for the faith, which would afterward be what? Revealed. When the big reveal comes along. And he goes on to say, therefore the law was our tutor. I'll call it our babysitter. The law was our babysitter, our tutor, to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by what? What? faith but after faith has come we no longer need a babysitter or a tutor and so before Christ came before the big reveal salvation was you were under this law trying to earn your right graces with God but the good news about the good news is you don't have to work to get born again you just have to believe amen I thought that gone over better right there man That's good news. The good news about the good news is it's no longer earned. Number two, it's no longer exclusive. You see, before Christ came, before the big reveal, it was all about the Jews. Did you know that? But look in Ephesians chapter three, verse six. Look what Paul says: that the Gentiles—this is where y'all should have got real excited. This is the revela- This is the big reveal. The Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of His promise in Christ through the gospel. And as I said a little earlier, it's no longer exclusive. It's whosoever will. Amen. You don't have to be born of a, of a certain family, a, a, born of a certain heritage. You don't have to have the, uh, uh, the right upbringing. It's a whosoever will. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that. Oh, y'all got it. You've been to Sunday school. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that. Look at your neighbor and say, that means you. Now, that means me. That's good news. Woo! Salvation is not earned. It is not exclusive. And number three, it is no longer ecclesiastical, if you can say it. It's a real word. You look it up, you Google it. You see, before Christ came, the priest had to go in and, and atone for the sins of, of the people. You remember? And you better have a good priest. If you had a bad priest, you're in trouble. And there were some bad priests. In fact, some of them didn't trust the priest, so they'd tie a rope around his leg because he had to go in behind the veil into the holy place and atone for the sins of the people. And they put little bells on his clothes, not because that made him sound cool. so what, If he was still walking around in the presence of, the, of God, they knew he wasn't dead yet. As long as you could hear the ringing of the bells, you would, Whew. and if the ringing of the bells ever stop, the rope on his leg we're pulling him out bad priest we need to get a different priest how many of you appreciate the fact that no longer is that necessary you don't listen I don't, I don't know where you came from in your religion you don't have to go to any man to confess your sin I just have to be honest with you here After Jesus came, and you can read it in Hebrews chapter 4 and other places, hey, we can come boldly. You and I, the Bible says we can come boldly. Man, that to me, pardon me, oh, there it is. Uh, To me, that's really good news. I can come into His presence without fear because I'm His child, I've been washed. I've been adopted. I've been sanctified by His blood. That's the good news about the good news. That's the power of the big reveal. It's amazing. I don't have to work for it. I don't have to earn it. It's not just for the special people. We're all special. Red and yellow, black and white. We're all precious in His sight. Amen. And here's one more thought about the good news. It is, my friend, in fact, eternal. Your salvation is eternal. You don't have to get saved over and over again. I said you don't have to get saved over and over again. I know some people, you know, walk the aisle a lot and they think I gotta, let me tell you something, that's, that's schizophrenic Christianity. God's not schizophrenic. Once you're born again, you cannot lose your salvation. You say, but what about, hey, listen to me. When you get adopted into the family of God, you're in the family of God. You may mess up, but you cannot be denied your family inheritance. And is it okay to mess up? Romans 6 says, God forbid. We'll still stand before God and give an account for the life we lived. I love what Hebrews chapter 7 says. Let me show this to you. Hebrews 7. I'm not there, so uh, you're not there. We can both go there together. Hebrews chapter 7. Let me show you this, what he says in verse 22 through 25. Really verse 25. Therefore he, speaking of Jesus, he is also able to what? Somebody say it. Save to the what? Somebody say uttermost. He is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God. How do we come to God? Through who? through him since he always lives to make intercession for them Uh, how many of you know jesus is praying for you right now amen Amen. you see how many of you parents pray for your kids Uh, how many of you pray for maybe every once in a while somebody else's kids but most of the time it's your kids right jesus is praying for his his family he's praying for his 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 children he's praying for us but it says he's able to save to the uttermost everyone say to the uttermost yeah, let, let me tell you what the Greek reading of saved to the uttermost means. It means this. It means He's saved to the uttermost completely and forever. Somebody say completely and forever. Woo! Thank you. That, my friend, is good news. I don't want to be a schizophrenic Christian. I want to be knowing when I'm a part of the family of God. In fact, verse thirteen of chapter one in Ephesians it says we're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. You remember that we're sealed. Everybody say I've been sealed. That's the stamp of God on your life. It's the mark of God on your life. You see, when you're born again by the Spirit of God, that you are you are life by the Spirit of God. Everybody go. You see, you were dead. And your trespasses and sins, you're spiritually dead. But when you confess Christ and you yield yourself to him, the spirit of God goes, and life you and begins to dwell on the inside of you. And the seal of God is put on you. And he says, you are eternally forever mine. Bus driver... Move that bus. Some of you are still looking at me funny. Bus driver. Holy Ghost. Move that bus out of their eyes to see. The big reveal. We're living in the middle of God's big reveal for all humanity. And there's a world of people, listen, whose eyes are still blinded to the power of the gospel. the gospel is so powerful change your life and we have a responsibility today because of the big reveal of what God has given to us by way of the mercy and the grace of God. Let me talk to you about the responsibility of the big reveal in our lives for just a moment. When we hear this message, we hear this good news uh, of the salvation of God that He died for us, that He was buried in a borrowed tomb and He rose again so we too could have newness of life. We've, we've, We've become responsible. How many of you know knowledge bears responsibility? If you have knowledge of something that needs to be known and you don't tell it. If you had the, the secret to, to the cure of cancer and you didn't te- That knowledge demands a, a responsibility on your life to release that knowledge to whosoever will. And here we have a responsibility because we hear the power of the gospel today. And so that responsibility is this. Number one, we got to hear and believe. Everyone say hear and believe. Yeah. Ephesians one thirteen says, In Him you also trusted... After you heard the word of truth, you've heard the word of truth today and you've probably heard it in other places. We, we hear it by, by the hearing of our spiritual ears and we hear the word and what do we do? We have to believe that word. That's our responsibility. Him you also trusted. That means you believed, you trusted. After you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. You see, the Romans. Uh, Paul said in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, he said this, faith comes by what? It comes by hearing the Word of God. So you hear the Word of God. You have a choice then to trust and believe in the Word of God. That's our responsibility. It's not just a belief right here. As we'll learn in the second part, uh, the second part of our responsibility is not only hear and believe, but confess and receive. Romans chapter 10, 9 says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus as the Lord, now catch this, and believe in your head. Oh, thank you, Mary. Believe in your heart. That means you receive something, right? You confess with your mouth, Jesus as Lord. He's my Lord. And you believe in your heart. That means it's set up residence. That Jesus Christ paid the price for you and he rose from dead the third day. You shall be, not might be, you shall be what? Saved. Save. You see responsibility. What about the heathen in Africa? Well, I'm going there, we're gonna fix that. In fact, there's a big revival in Africa. People but people say, What about those who haven't heard yet? Romans chapter one says creation declares the glory of God, and they're without excuse too. No excuses. Everyone say, hear and believe. Everyone say, confess and receive. And then number three, as we're saved, here's the third part of that responsibility we have of the gospel. That's guard and give. Everyone say, guard and give. Now, without going into 2 Timothy chapter 1 and 2, Paul talks about the gift of God and the gospel of God. and We're saved for a purpose he said, I'm saved for a reason. I've been given this this gift for a reason. It's not just to sit around and count my blessings and sit on my blessed assurance. A lot of people just sitting on their blessed assurance. Listen, we have a responsibility to guard the gift of God within us. And to guard the gospel within us. But then give the gospel to those who have yet to to hear. Those who have yet to receive and understand the big reveal. You see, that's our responsibility. And Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 2 verse 2, he said, you go find some other people and you invest in them the power of this big reveal. You let your light shine before men. You give it away. It's a free gift. And the responsibility we have today because of the big reveal is not just to live the happy life but to live the rest of our life passing the baton of the big reveal to those who have yet to know to let the whole world know that they can be saved too that whosoever will can be saved doesn't matter what you've done doesn't matter who you are you're a part of the whosoever will and we have a responsibility. Now, finally, I want to close today. And I want to talk to you about the reality of this big reveal and what it does in our life and what the, what the benefit of it is to us. Yes, we have eternal life, but could I tell you what? The, the reality uh, and, and, the, and the evidence of the big reveal being made manifest in our life, the revelation of God being made manifest in our life, it ought to be a changed life. You see, when the bus moves, people see changes. And when you get the revelation of God in your life, that He died for you, that He paid a great price so you could be back in right relationship with God and get back under the banner of God's blessing in your life, It will change your life. You see, listen carefully. The evidence of the big reveal is not found in the fact that you're sitting in this chair today. It's not found in the fact that you say you believe in God. It's found in the evidence of a transformed life. It's people like April Limpke, who once they made the connection and the Holy Spirit moved the bus, Whew. that'll change your life. My Bible tells me, Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and 2 Corinthians chapter 5, chapter 3 says when we behold Him, we are changed. That word changed means transform. It's where we get the word metamorphosis. It's not just fix a few things. It's from the inside out. God, where's April? April, are you here? April said She said it right. He just didn't heal me on the outside. He healed me from the inside. That's where transformation really begins. Second Corinthians 5:17 says this: "If any person, there's the whosoever will, be in Christ, they're a new creation. Old things are what? Pass away. And behold, all, all things become new. Amen. Somebody give him some praise today. It's the changed life. It's the blessing of revelation. You and I are living in the middle of God's big reveal. I never once, when I watched extreme home makeovers or whatever it was, I never once saw anybody when the bus was moved go, Well, praise the Lord. I wonder why the preacher was late this morning. But that's the way a lot of people live their Christian life. And they're living in the middle of the greatest revelation that will ever have been made known to humanity. I never once saw people go I don't know if I want to live there or not let's go back to Disneyland oh. the transformation caused their whole life to change from every angle how about you today How about you? Has your life been changed by the power of God's big reveal in your life? Or are you still kind of in the fog, thinking, oh, "Is it real? Is it not? Should I or should I not?" Listen, my Bible tells me you can't live in both worlds. My Bible tells me you're either for him or against it. My Bible tells me you cannot be lukewarm. My Bible tells me that when Jesus Christ comes into your life, there's a transformation that begins. And the desire of our hearts begin to change towards him doesn't mean we're automatically perfect but it means our hearts are changed and our lives begin to change and the sanctification process of God begins there's something on the inside of us that says I don't want to be what I used to be I want to be what he wants me to be and I don't have to earn it I just believe it not just for certain people it's for whosoever will you're a prime candidate today for god's big reveal in your life listen he'll change your life from the inside out let's stand up together